Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. If a friend asks how you're doing, and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because, If I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. Live, uh, BetMGM Sportsbook, Mandalay Bay. Thanks very much to them for hosting us. We have gotten the feed up. We've circumnavigated the uh, Las Vegas customs, seemingly, uh, to get a feed of this awards show up. Uh, we will be here throughout the whole show outside of MVP, given that Lamar Jackson is going to win that. So not much suspense there. Uh, if he doesn't win, then we'll come back on. But uh, but he would uh, he's going to win that award. Uh, how are you feeling, Drew? Uh, like... I went from cautiously optimistic to wildly optimistic over the course of like two weeks here as every piece of content I consume, all of the con- you know, all of the takeaways, everyone we've talked to behind the scenes who has a vote, uh, it's basically all going to break in our favor from what I can tell. Um, we won't like entirely spoil like the layout of the awards tonight, but I feel like the sequencing is somewhat favorable for a particular award. Um, but uh, yeah, this is going to be a good night. And uh, you know, last last year, I think we could have parlayed every single second place winner, and uh, I had all of them in my book. Yeah. Uh, this year, I think uh, there's a bunch that are going to come home. Defensive Player of the Year is going to be the third award that they give out in about 20 minutes. That's the one I'm the most keyed on. And uh, yeah, this is going to be a fun time. Yeah, well, I mean, we could, I think we can spoil the fact that, because I think we mentioned it before, that uh, the, the penultimate award, just before MVP, at uh, 7.30 Pacific, is going to be comeback player of the year. Now, the hope would be that uh, <laughs> they're not going to lead into MVP with uh, Joe Flacco or Baker Mayfield uh, stealing from Demar Hamlin. I feel like if either of those two are going to win, you kind of tuck it into uh, yeah. kind of 6.40 p.m. <laughs> Pacific, kind of in between yes. defensive rookie and some other random award. But I would think that probably uh, yeah. speaks through. So we know the schedule. Unfortunately, CBS wouldn't tell us the winners, but uh, we do know the schedule. So the first award coming up is going to be uh, in about five minutes, and that'll be Offensive Rookie Ooh, of the Year. Um, so this is going to be CJ Stroud, barring yeah. something absolutely uh, unforeseen. I think Stroud is effectively off the board, though. Yeah. Uh, what did you make of this market and how it kind of progressed? Uh, this was, uh, the, the, I mean, correctly, CJ Stroud, because of his quarterback play, is the slam dunk here. But I will also say this, like, if I had a vote, I would feel like the second and third place contenders here were both absolutely outstanding and like very realistically should have been like in any other year would have been winners. Puka Nakua, of course, breaks the record. Puka Nakua is just flat out awesome. Uh, like he's going to get a distant second place in this one. And I, it's, it doesn't feel great. Sam Laporta, one of the best 
you know, rookie tight end seasons of all time. Probably, yeah, like, probably, probably ever. Yeah. yeah, he was the third best tight end across football this year. Uh, maybe second best, depending on who you ask. Uh, and, like, the fact that all these guys are rookies, like, the league is in good hands, uh, particularly on the offensive side of the ball. And, uh, honestly, like, what C.J. Stroud did for so many people's careers in Houston, he deserves more than rookie of the year. Yeah, no, seriously. It's incredible with Puka, the fact that, if you told me that he had that season before the year, I mean, I would have told you that he was, you know, minus 8,000. And the only way that he's going to go down is if someone has uh, one of the greatest, the greatest quarterback season of all time for a rookie. And, uh, and that's what happened. That's what ended up beating him. Incredible. Uh, it was, I mean, I think it was probably 80 to 1 that Stroud was going to play this well, maybe longer. Yeah. Um, but I interviewed Puka Nakua yesterday or a couple of days ago. Uh, and I'm all in Puka as a man. Uh, I was telling you that after we got done and off air with the interview, Puka is just like the most normal, friendly, jovial guy. After we got done with the interview, he turned to me and he's like, are you going to the Sphere this week, bro? <laughs> I was like, what is this? Like, what? He's, uh, yeah, just a super, super normal dude. Uh, so, yeah, hope he, uh, hope he has an amazing career and, uh, and I'm pretty sure that he will. Um, That's odds on by margin, yeah. Yeah. What, uh... What is most interesting to me about this award is what happens if... So two scenarios. One, what happens if Tyler Goodson catches the fourth and one pass from Gardner Minshew and the Colts win that game and the Texans miss the playoffs? And then two, what happens if Stroud uh, plays poorly in that game and they lose? Because my yeah. thought is, is that if, yeah. even if the Colts won that game by completing that pass... I think Stroud still probably would have won just because he played so amazingly well in that game. I think he would have been closer, but I think he still wins. If he played poorly in the game, I think he would have lost the award. I agree. Uh, there was a lot of scope heading into that particular contest where people were like, how can you not give it to Puka? He's going to break the record. Uh, and he was so impressive in his quality of play uh, that it was a done deal. And then the win was just icing, I think. Um, the uh, more fun uh, kind of mental exercise... Uh, we talked to Chris, the, uh, the great Chris Sims uh, in the draft process, and he was adamant that the number one quarterback on the board was C.J. Stroud. If he goes to Carolina, mm -hmm. is he the rookie of the year? Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting discussion about how much context dictates uh, your outcomes. I mean, the thing is, is, there's been a little revisionist history about how good Houston's skill position players are. Because no one, no one thought Nico Collins was this guy coming into the season. No one thought Tank Dell was going to be this good. Uh, I think that Noah Brown, vastly, uh, he, he exceeded, uh, exceeded expectations. Uh, Showtime 102 says the Colts game had more impact on D'Amico and Stroud. Absolutely. If D'Amico <laughs> lost that game, he's 0% uh, to win the award. I think Stroud still had some scope. But, I mean, I guess Stroud just showed a level that is probably going to translate somewhat yeah. across. And uh, you told me that CJ, we start the season again and CJ Stroud is on Carolina. I mean... He, he probably loses to Puka just because um, Puka had such an amazing season, but uh, he would certainly still be in the mix. I think he's so clearly that guy that he would have won anyway, <laughs> honestly. Um, there were obviously structural problems with the offensive line in Carolina. There were issues with Frank Reich's vision for uh, coaching an NFL franchise, and particularly one with young, you know, young players like uh, a rookie quarterback. Um, but what I took away most from some of the stories we've heard about C.J. Stroud, um, because he does not broadcast this himself. Like, you have to dig a little bit to find out what he's up to. He's a very quiet guy. He's very, uh, you know, not, not uh, like, 
necessarily putting out everything that he's up, you know, that he's all about. Um, but uh, apparently, like these, like the Nico Collins emergence was not an accident. The Tank Dell uh, synergy was not an accident. Like he was aggressively pursuing these guys to get on the same page with them early in the off season to the tune of. Uh, like immediately out of the gate, uh, you know, good chemistry. Uh, and I think that's like, it, it all goes back to, he is a very solid leader. Uh, and if you have that leadership quality, uh, it kind of, as long as you have, you can get guys to buy in who are on the fringes, then you can elevate them to perform as well as Nico Collins and Tank Dale did. Uh, and I'm not sure that there was quite enough talent with, you know, Bar was it, was it uh, not Barkey? Jonathan, Jonathan, Jonathan Mingo. Mingo. Yeah. There was not quite enough talent yeah. with Mingo and Adam Thielen. I don't know if they're el you're elevating them in the same way, um, but if you are, you know, kind of pursuing that same path with the receivers they had available in, in uh, Carolina, it's not crazy to me that Carolina could have at least been competitive in the NFC South. So uh, I think Stroud was going to win this regardless of where he landed. Uh, and I think um, he has uh, he's entrenched uh, uh, some people in Houston for a long time with uh, how good his performance has been this year and should be for the foreseeable future. Yep. No, I mean, and also, like, the Texans didn't have a great offensive line either. Uh, and he was still able to do what he did. Yeah. That and maybe, you know, maybe Thielen has an even better season. Uh, Mingo's not very good. I, I think that's, that's the problem. <laughs> I, so. I mean, I just like, like, if you're, he's playing like over 80% of the snaps. We would have said parties. this about Nico Collins, though. No, I don't know. I think Nico might have been better last okay. year, even than uh, okay. the, what Jonathan Mingo showed. But uh, yeah, we'll see. Uh, looks like O'Roy is about to get. Announced, I had a lot of money on Bijan Robinson oh, uh, after the first week or two of the season, uh, and that never really snipped it after the first month. Um, just fell off a cliff. What do you think he'll be uh, like in the uh, overall running back pecking order next year with the new uh, staff in place? RB two, RB three? Uh, I don't know. I mean, from a fantasy perspective, he will be a. There we go. CJ Stroud wins Offensive Rookie of the Year. First time that uh, yeah. The world will not collapse tonight, and we'll have some order in these awards. Yes. Um, yeah, I don't know. With Bijan, it's difficult because Tyler Algier is really good. Yeah. Um, and that, and also, like, we haven't seen Bijan have the workload yet. Uh, and there's going to be guys taken in front of him, like, I don't know, is Bijan going to outproduce, like, Jonathan Taylor next season? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Probably not. He'd be a dog just because Taylor has less competition. Uh, he's going to be behind McCaffrey, he'll be behind Kyron Williams, which yeah. is crazy to say, but. He will be. Well, um, Kyron Williams' coach is now in Atlanta. That's true. Yeah. CJ Stroud with a good get-up. Um, like yeah. the glasses look. Yeah, much nice. better look than what Joe Flacco was rocking yes. uh, on the red carpet. Yeah, yeah. I, he, he did the pro move, which is kind of the young guy move when you're wearing black tie to go with the necktie instead yes. of the bow tie. Yes. Um, the bow tie artificially ages you, and if you're a young man like CJ Stroud, like, you don't want to be there. So no. I think I fully support the uh, the decision to go necktie for Mr. Stroud. Well, speaking of attire, we're 18 minutes in. We haven't addressed that we're wearing the exact same jacket. Uh, <laughs> well, not quite. Chance. Not yeah, quite. It's, it's Fayette brand, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah, mine is as well. We didn't coordinate that at all. This <laughs> is what I wore to Las Vegas. It's very similar. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, although you're wearing a uh, little polo uh, kind of Hawaiian operation. Well, I am yeah, wearing. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm ready for vacation. Yeah. I'm wearing the uh, <laughs> AFC South. 23, 2023 division champ shirt. I think I'm probably the first person in history to be wearing a Houston Texans division champ shirt uh, layered under a Fayette knit blazer. Uh, yeah. And maybe I'll burn this to the ground if Kevin Stefanski wins 30 minutes from now. Uh, I don't uh, think that's happening. Well, let's, let's hope not. Um, by the way, anyone in the... Uh, Aiden Hutchinson. Yeah, second time today. Yeah. We Did were, he get a haircut uh, between when he saw him and now? I don't know what's going on there. 
he got we, some pretty aggressive styling relative to what we saw him, what, 40 minutes ago? No, like two hours oh, ago, I guess. Jamal Hamlin's presenting yeah. an award. What is this, man? Are we read anything into this? <laughs> I mean, I think that it's a, it's Demar Hamlin night. <laughs> That's my read. I don't know. I don't know, man. We're celebrating a guy who died and came back to life. I think that's uh, what I'm taking away from. This. Let's uh, let's bring him up again about an yes. hour from now. A lot uh, of great applause. Yes. Like if we if we break this guy's spirit tonight by giving comeback player of the year to any other human, I don't. I think that's a gro- gross injustice. You know how awkward it's going to be if Joe Flacco wins comeback player of the year. And goes up, uh, and he doesn't want the award, and he accepts it. He's not wearing a tie. He's no. not wearing a tie tonight. <laughs> no, he's not. Uh, it'll be, no. Yeah, let's uh, let's try and will that out of existence. <laughs> By the way, anyone who is watching, if you got any questions about anything, uh, be it related to the awards, Super Bowl, uh, any other sport as well, if you want, uh, please just shoot it through in the chat, uh, and yeah. we will. I have some questions it. for you. Okay. Uh, I'll, so I'll get started. Feel free to ask, but I got. I'll, I'll, I'll get started. Um, so. Basically, all of the top rookies, yep. um, they all have either the same situation heading into next year or an improved situation. Yep. Right? Um, I guess, is there any expectation for, uh, you know, not a step, you know, Stroud should take a step forward. Another year with Slug. Yep. Nakua should take continue to take the wide receiver one role from Cooper Cup as he kind of you know, continues yep. through his, uh, you know, career phases. And uh, Bijan Robinson, of course, with uh, a new coach who maybe utilizes him more effectively, uh, could take a step forward. Like, if you had to, like, buy stock in one of these three guys to be, like, in the MVP discussion next year, is it clearly obvious to Stroud? Yeah, I think Stroud is. Okay. I mean, I've, if you're ranking the quarterbacks right now, the way I would do it is Mahomes, tier one by himself. Okay. Josh Allen, tier two by himself. Okay. I'd have three Burrow. Four, four, probably Lamar, and then five Stroud. Okay. Are you going to uh, give any consideration to Bijan or uh, Puka for Offensive Player of the Year next year? I, I mean, Bijan, it's weird. I think Bijan actually has more scope to do it than Puka, even though Puka vastly outproduced him this, this year just because Bijan's path, I think, just the potential volume mixed with you know the generational talent. I think Puka as well, it's going to be hard for him to replicate that with a full season of Cooper Cup. Cup had a weird year where he missed the first four weeks and then he was kind of battling injury for a little while. I know Puka had that amazing production at the end of the year sure. with Cup, but uh, I do think that Bijan probably has the highest ceiling to actually win Offensive Player of the Year. To me, the interesting guy of all the rookies is Bryce Young, uh, who <laughs> went number one in the draft last year and now it's just seemingly an afterthought. I think that I was looking at um, you know potential Coach of the Year guys and just you know the easiest narratives to craft. Yeah. Like if they've, what if Bryce Young's just good? What if Frank Reich was just terrible and the offensive line was a mess? He's lost sure. all his confidence. What if Dave Canales builds him back up into the guy who you know was you know was taken number yeah. one overall? Yeah. That team has talent elsewhere. I mean, you're picking our own pocket for a future coach of the year yeah. take. <laughs> but yes, I 100% agree with you. Um, I mean, we didn't see any flashes from him this year that really suggested like there is a like. Uh, but that said, there's enough college tape to to say that the talent is there. So. Um, I'm not going to dismiss it. How about uh, Sam Laporta? Is he tight at TE1 next year? Yeah, he is. I mean, in fantasy, he should be tight end one. I think Kelsey is at the point of his career where he's like, Kelsey's like Jimmy Butler now. Just kind of coast through the regular season. Occasionally have flashes. He'll have some random three touchdown game against the Chargers or something. Um, But I think he largely saves himself for the playoffs. And other guys, like 
George Kittle, regular season on a massive producer. I yeah. do think Dalton Kincaid has the talent to get into that type of mix, but ultimately, uh, yeah, I think Sam Laporta is is the guy. Also, because he doesn't have a ton of competition on his own team, right? Like it's a Monra Saint Brown, yep. and then it's like the yep. immortal Josh Reynolds, and we'll see yes. if anything happens to Jameson Williams. Yeah, um, that all sounds very fair to me. Yeah. Any rookies that you see who underperformed on the skill position players this year, who you think can take a step forward next year because of the situation? Um, skill position guys. I mean, like is is Quentin Johnson just the write off? That well, that was exactly who I was thinking. Yeah. Actually. I'm actually interviewing Quentin Johnston uh, tomorrow morning, so okay. I'll, I'll ask him that. Quentin, do you think um, you think it's just over? I mean, the fact that he has the stones to show up to Super Bowl week after what happened and answer questions is pretty. That's noteworthy. Yeah, no, good for him. Yeah, Tony Pollard did as well. Uh, interviewed Tony Pollard a couple of days ago. Yeah, uh, lovely, lovely yeah. guy. Uh, yeah. But yeah, he had a he had a tough season yeah. as well. Um, but no, Quinn Johnson did the guys interesting because I mean, this is the first round pick. Yeah. Uh, the other guy too, who I don't maybe people didn't realize as much because they weren't there wasn't that much attention on the team. But like Jackson Smith and Jigba was a monster by the end of the season. He had an awesome stretch. He completely lit up Dallas in yeah. that game where Geno Smith played the game of his life. Yeah. And I think that he would probably he will probably emerge as the clear wide receiver two on that yeah. team if he isn't already. I think he'll probably go past Tyler Lockett. Do we know who the uh, OC is in Seattle yet? Under uh, McDonald? Uh, I'm not sure that's been confirmed. Yeah. Okay. Walter is gone. Yeah, but uh, interesting. Did you what did you think of uh, JSN Shade for on uh, Walter? Did you see that? No, what did he say? Now, somebody I was ba- he was interviewed and it was basically like what was it like you know, or it was there's there's media it was yeah. like what can we expect from Walter and he was just silent yeah. silent treatment okay no answer <laughs> it was it was uh, not exactly what the Bears media was hoping to hear I don't think I think they wanted some effusive praise about how great Walter was and he they, he gave them nothing <laughs> okay. no I, I don't mind it is this the Bears player of the year six twenty five no we got one more I think before this right isn't there there's a weird one. There's a there's a weird non betting one I think that comes up before, uh, but I could be mistaken. Not Stapio one now. Is it? Oh yes! I thought this was the third award. This is great. This is a big moment. Oh, I think right. did Demar looks like, uh, looks like we have a question first though. We can take. Okay. Which size tools do you use to search for the best lines on the market? Do you have to make bets solely based on how I think one book is compared to others. Uh, I am almost never arbing, um, but. Uh, I mean, most of the stuff that I am betting is futures and awards markets, which are pretty easily scalable. Uh, we had Rufus Peabody on the podcast uh, earlier in the week. I think Unabated is a really good tool. Um, sure. You know, it's an odd screen with some other, um, you know, useful aspects. So Unabated would be the tool that I use most. Yeah. Uh, what about yourself? Yeah, I mean, uh, I would advocate for Unabated if you want sides and totals and prices. Um, I would say that like some of these niche markets where if we're betting into, uh, you know, awards or player props, yep. one of like the kind of hidden beauties is there isn't really a widely used tool for that. Yep. And the fact that there isn't, and the fact that it's manual makes, uh, you know, the takes a little bit of the juice away from the people who are out there just, you know, spending eight hours of their day looking at the screen, yep. right? Yep. Like, uh, and that actually kind of makes it more fun in my opinion. So. Yep. Um, you know, there's there's definitely uh, a, a, an elegance to uh, kind of digging yourself. Um, you know, the place I play the most frequently 
rarely even puts awards up. Like it's just you have to check all the time to see if they're up and see if you get, see what you can get, see what the limits are, see what the how how aggressive the auto mover is. Uh, so it's uh, it's kind of a fun art that's sort of lost with uh, you know the advent of the you know the the real time odd screens for sides and totals where you know and I I uh, I don't know how I mean congratulations if you figured out a way to make a living as an arbor here we go uh, that's so far away from, lot. so far away from my my DNA I just don't understand it no surprise Janelle Monet no surprise I like Janelle Monet's outfit this is pretty nice. Smile. Yes. Yes. Great decision by the voters to elect Miles Garrett as our defensive player of the Happy year. Happy to knock out the 0.1% chance TJ Watt was going to get home. That's a big one. That's okay. a good one. All right. I, we can do some story time on yeah. this. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I have him on record. This was the only one that I was really sweating. Uh, and the reason was this was the only one where I really had, like, relatively easy access to liquidity. Yeah. Um, preseason, I locked in a decent chunk on Parsons. Yep. Uh, week 15, 16, it was clear Garrett should be favored over Parsons, but Parsons was still the favorite. Yep. We talked about it a dozen times. Yep. I lost count. No, big on miles. <laughs> and, uh, a lot of miles. And at one point, kind of looking at before the Jets game, yeah, I was like, this is going to be a like a mess. Uh, yeah. This is yeah. going to be a mess. He's going to yeah. wreck like this game. like money going to that game. He's going to wreck this game. Yeah. I was like, now is the time. Like, I just have to absolutely unload on it. And I was just intending to take my stake off of Parsons and get it onto Garrett. Yep. That was my intention. Um, but as I was clicking, there was resistance. Yep. On every click, somebody was coming back Parsons, yep. coming back Parsons, yep. coming back Parsons. So I was like, oh, okay. Like, this isn't just going to be an auto-move it into oblivion and take yep. me out of the game. There's somebody on the other side who thinks Parsons is still going to win. Yep. Uh, and so I generated an actual uh, at-risk position on him coming through here. And uh, this was the big one I needed. Yeah. Well. Yes. Harm. Um, yes. Yeah. I never. We talked about it a lot on the show about how Garrett's price never made sense, and Parsons was always Parsons had a really difficult schedule going down the end of the season, where he had gets to go up against what uh, Josh Allen, yep. Tua, and Goff in successive weeks. Quarterbacks who just never get sacked. Yep. Uh, and then the fear was is that well, could he have like four sacks on Sam Allen? But I mean, even <laughs> that, like, is he actually going to win the Cowboys defense? I think the shine came off it as well. Yeah. I, I will go to my grave thinking, though, that if TJ Watt in that final game against Baltimore, yeah. if he got his third sack, which would have been 20 on the season, yeah. and has the heroic, uh, yeah. leads them to the playoffs, yeah. three sacks, wrecks the game in the second half, Yeah, I think he probably would have won. Yeah, if he you, got one more sack and yeah. if he didn't get hurt, the fact that he got hurt just kind of made it weird. Like he had <laughs> yes. no real momentum yeah. after that. It's like, oh, he had a sick game, but oh, he got hurt and he's going to miss the playoffs now. Yeah, if he um, had gotten a third sack, you'd, sack, you'd be doing the stream by yourself. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> I would not be here because I would have taken a double L yeah. on Parsons and, and Garrett. So, uh, real quick, like, uh, file this away for next year. Yeah. Um, had a very good and very lively conversation with the great Aaron Schatz yesterday. Yeah. Um, fellow. He, of course, is of Football Outsiders uh, pedigree and a DVOA thing. Yes. And we were talking about, like, what is signal in terms of, like, teams progressing from mediocre to good over the balance of the season, right? Yep. And are there coaches that you see consistent tendencies? Are there teams that are consistently uh, improving from week one to week 18? Yep. And he said Belichick was obviously the cl classical example because, but that was a little bit by design because they treated the first four weeks like preseason. 
Yep. Right. And so they were just by nature had, you know, starting with a little bit of a deficit in DVOA. Yeah. And then they would get good and they'd get into the winter months and they'd get better. Uh, and he said, but he said the number two team, and then there's a huge gap is the Steelers. Right. And that even with these relatively un, you know, not super talented squads, yep. they have consistently make runs into the close. And I think that's worth paying attention to because all of these awards are, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. Yep. Miles Garrett almost got run down, even though his best games were kind of in the first half of the yep. year. Yep. And uh, I think, uh, you know, just in general, the love for TJ Watt as a personality yep. uh, and and uh, the fact that the Steelers close hot has got to be on my mind, you know, on everybody's mind for Defensive Player of the Year next year. Yep. Uh, we got D-Roy coming up. I need Will Anderson in a big way here. Uh, <laughs> Carter or Turner is death. Um, so, whatever. The, How many um, voters know who Kobe Turner is? Come on. Yeah, I, uh, he's a Ram. Yeah, he is Kobe a Ram. Turner is a Ram. I'm joking. I know where Kobe Turner plays, um, but we made a lot of jokes about the voting pup block might not know who what yep. team Kobe Turner plays for. Come on, give me the Texan. Oh, we got reading out Kirk Cousins. What does that mean? Is that Will Anderson? <laughs> it looks like him. <laughs> Why, hold on, why are they confused? Will, Will Anderson. Anderson. Bang. <laughs> oh, FC South Division champs. Let's go. Two of three. Yep, that's uh, that's a big one. I'm really interested in what these counts were for the votes. Yeah, uh, do you remember who tweeted those out last year? Is it Rob Maddie? Is he the AP guy? That sounds right. Yeah. Good boy, Will. I Jeez, almost that was from the clouds. He was 50 to 1. I think he's 50 well, to 1. Yeah, two best, weeks in the season. best price you got on Will Anderson? Oh, I came in like my Will Anderson was no, it was like in the plus five hundred type okay. of range. But yeah. I was in like the last week of the season, yeah. basically. Yeah, I, I have some guys that I knew in the in the uh, twenty and the fifty range that were. Uh, this is gonna. This is gonna. These guys are big time draft draft liquidity guys. Yep. So there's gonna be extra liquid in the draft pools this year now because this is this was a big one for them. Oh, Hat tip to. I like this. Uh, I like this a lot. Uh, all right, two Texans down, one to go. Um, NFL award voting. Yeah, I want to know how close uh, DPOI was. Wow, uh, D-Roy was really close. Oh my goodness gracious! So, Will Anderson, Carter with a very close steal. Will Anderson, 16 first place votes. Carter and Turner, 14 each. And then Will Anderson got him on seconds, which, and he was on. 45 ballots, which I guess is the key there. And Carter was off ballot. Carter was off ballot 12 times. Wow. Well, I mean, wow, that uh, that, that defense stunk yeah. uh, the last quarter of the season. People people oh, really wow. did not have... Garrett was really close to losing. <laughs> yeah, that was close. <laughs> well, he had 23 to 19 in first place votes. So that carried the day. That's And actually, you know what? Let's talk about this uh, voting a little bit because the concept was... There was going to be more. That's actually what it was. Parsons got 16 second places. Watt only got 11. Yeah. Uh, so there were people that felt it was important to put Watt first. And then uh, uh, it was really down ballot that pushed it yep. enough in his favor. That's so wow, weird. wow, like, wow. You, yeah. Wait a second. We need to we need to take away a vote here. Deron Bland? Deron Bland got a first place it's vote actually, for GPOI. Um, Deron Bland's mother is a uh, <laughs> member of the Association. Oh, okay, press. wait. We need, to, we, need to, uh, we need to scrutinize who put Deron Bland number one. Yeah, well, unfortunately, we'll probably never find out unless someone wants to declare it. Um, there was 
a question earlier about uh, why Miles Garrett wasn't the defensive player of the year favorite late in the season. I mean, one, uh, he should have been. <laughs> I think it was, it was wrong. Uh, we talked yeah. about that a lot on the show. But two, I think the reason that the market underrated Garrett is that his sack total just wasn't overwhelming. Sure. Um, thanks for the question. Tom. Yeah, you had to be you had to be paying attention yeah. to the game. You had to be watching the tape. He was so obviously like just so monumentally disruptive. Yes. Right. Like the the pressure stats, uh, I think, bore out that Parsons and Garrett were on another level. Yeah. And pressures were somewhat subjective. Yep. It depends who's charting. Um, but I don't think it mattered who was charting the Browns. Miles Garrett had so many moments that were just game-changing and so just generally disruptive. Whereas, you know, TJ Watt, and this is not to be a dig at him at all. He's an amazing player. Love watching him play. But he is phenomenally opportunistic. Yep. Like, he is at the right place at the right time to get the, get the key play. Uh, whereas Garrett was like just a havoc wreaker from whistle to whistle. Yep. Every snap he was on the field. Yep. That's my opinion. I think this is a couple of things. One, like the advanced stats on Garrett, the pressures were lapping what for most of the season. Yeah. I think as well there was just a sense that uh, the Steelers were just a mid team. And yeah. the defense was fine, but it wasn't a top three defense. Yeah. And there's two other aspects. One, I think everyone views Miles Garrett as a defensive player of the year obviously he has that pedigree yeah it just it felt like his season like if you think about defensive performances this year the one that jumps to mind for me and what a lot of a lot of voters mentioned is that like garrett beat the colts by himself like Correct. that game was insane where he blocks the field goal he essentially forces a, he he forced, or a touchdown he, for, he forced the fumble that got yes. recovered for a touchdown yes yeah. and it was just it just it began to feel like his year and i know that's very subjective uh sure. and difficult to quantify but that's the stuff that triggers these votes. No question. Um, and no question. the fact that he was on, of the three candidates, he was on by far the best defense. Yeah. He had the most moments as well. Uh, yeah. And I think that that overcame the five-sack difference of TJ Watt. Now, the fact that there was a five-sack difference is why Garrett won so narrowly. <laughs> yes. um, no question. And, I, and this makes me believe this vote count. If TJ Watt got one more sack and got the 20, he would have won Defensive Player of the Year, I think. And if he didn't Yeah, it, I think so, too. Um, <laughs> I think that's very true. So, I mean, you can... Uh, yeah. Peter King, the morning... Um, Peter King, who we had dinner with the other night. Um, yeah. He, the morning of, uh, after his final, like, FMIA column of the regular season, he was saying that, you know, it's going to be really tough to dethrone TJ Watt. And then he went through the process and he ended up voting Miles Garrett. Because Garrett had those moments, yeah. um, and that was the sense. So that's a real knife's edge. And yeah, he, he lost because he got hurt, basically. I think. Yeah. Was, uh, we got some uh, Tommy DeVito, uh, important character. This was he was a bit character in the 2023 season, but yeah. an important bit character, particularly for the New York metro area. Did you get caught up in the DeVito fever being close to New York? No, it cost me a lot of money in the Packers <laughs> Monday night game. It's a disaster. <laughs> They then realize he's just going to take off and run every time. <laughs> Unbelievable. Oh, man. DeVito's uh, agent was uh, a hit on uh, Radio Row. I think he took uh, about 900 selfies. Yep. <laughs> that was over under uh, 899.5. Question from John Charles. Two Texans awards already have any pull on D'Amico's chances at all? I don't think so. I think that there is an idea that, you know, an idea that while well, one team can't get too many awards, I don't think that's really how it works necessarily, where it's not like voters go in and they're like, well, I can only give the Houston Texans maximum two awards because yeah. um, 
you know, the Jets got two awards last year. Sure. And they were terrible. Um, <laughs> what I always true. use as the example as well is that, so 2017, the Rams are 11 and 5 wildcard team. Yeah. They dominated by margin, winning Offensive Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, and Coach of the Year yeah. in Gurley, Donald, and McVeigh. The only thing is that I think it might have gotten a little bit weird if the Browns had swept four awards, yes. which for a time was looking like a chance Good where happen. Schwartz, Flacco, Stefanski, and Garrett. And I think at that point, maybe you do a double take and like, am I giving literally <laughs> half the awards to Cleveland <laughs> Browns who are an 11 and 6 wildcard team? I think that might have gotten a little bit weird. But sure. like the Texans were arguably the story of the season. Yeah. Right? And so if they're going to get three awards, yeah. none of which are. It's probably the most marquee awards of yeah. MVP and DPOY, and they're not going to get obviously either of those. Yeah, let's talk about the voting breakdown of defensive yeah. rookie of the year because I think it matters. Yeah, right. Yeah. There were um, four plus one. Oh my goodness, Joey Porter Jr. got a first place award for yeah, defensive rookie of the year. So five, uh, and basically only sixteen. Only sixteen voters voted Will Anderson first. Yeah, but I think that was always the thing with Anderson is that he had in an imperfect field. He had the least flawed case. He had the least offensive case. Yeah. Um, and Carter, the team just falling off a cliff, just destroyed them and destroyed yeah. him. Yeah. Kobe Turner, just not a lot of people knew who he was. Yeah. Um, they didn't know what his impact this is a, was. This is a pedigree thing. As I yeah. look at this distribution, the fact that there, there were a lot of ballots that went Anderson, Carter, Witherspoon. Yep. Because Witherspoon gets 16 third-place votes. The fact that those three guys were considered the best three defenders heading into the draft process and that they got most of the votes, I think kind of underlies how people vote for this award. Yep. It's super tough to be so in plugged into how young defensive players are impacting the game yep. that I think a lot of this comes down to pedigree. Kobe yep. Turner getting to 95 might as well be viewed as a win. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think what Anderson, I mean, it looks like it's narrow because it's 16 first place votes to 14, 14. Like he won pretty comfortably in the end, like 29 yeah. points in an award yeah. where it's pretty hard to gain more than two points at a time on him. Like that's a pretty emphatic victory, yeah. even if he didn't get the first. And what I think we talked about this um, on the pod is that Anderson was always going to get a ton of second place votes, yeah. right? Because it's just pretty hard to have him lower than second. He got more second place than first. Yeah. And that's, and in this new format, of uh, five three rank choice, he would have yeah. won in the old format I by mean, the skin of his it, yeah. by the by the hair on his nose. Uh, so the um, uh, the but you, the breakdown is exactly correct. Where uh, uh, I think uh, everyone that voted for Carter one put Anderson two. Yeah, and a lot of people that voted for Anderson one didn't ballot Carter. Yeah, no, I think that's really I mean, Jalen Carter being off. 12 ballots is pretty yeah. insane. Someone who's literally a minus 20,000 favorite <laughs> with two weeks left in the season. Yeah. I think the lesson out of that market, and it's a little flawed, but the lesson is is that uh, when you have a vulnerable favorite, there's obviously often value down the board. And Jalen Carter was minus 20,000 when he didn't have a really strong case at all. Um, but to be fair, like Will Anderson won this award because in the second last week of the season, uh, was it second last? When he they played the Titans. Yeah, they played the Titans in the second last week of the season. Yeah. And he had two sacks in that game. And that kind of, that got his numbers back to respectability. He got him seven sacks on the season. Yeah. If he has zero sacks in that game. He hit the floor yeah. with, that, with those two. Exactly. Yeah. If he has zero sacks in that game, he had zero sacks in the Colts game at the end because he couldn't move. Yeah. Then I, I don't think he can win with five sacks. I think Carter wins at that point. But here's the thing. And here's why I don't think even Will Anderson was an amazing bet going into that week. 
He played 12 snaps in the Titans game. He played 12 snaps. Yeah, and the, barely, yeah. the odds of him getting two sacks in 12 snaps were longer than his odds of winning defensive rookie of the year. And he needed to get that to have a chance. Yes. And you could say, that, all right, well, it's, maybe it's bad luck to an extent that, you know, he was playing hurt and everything. And he got hurt to that extent and didn't have enough in the Colts yeah. game. But uh, that was, uh, yeah, that's how he got it done um, in the end. Uh, but yeah, pretty. Pretty long, close and ridiculous. Long-term market. opinion of this of this class? Anyone that you think is like a standout All-Pro for many years to come? Yeah, I think Anderson and Carter. Okay. Um, those are the two guys. Devin Witherspoon, who heard some amazing stories about Devin Witherspoon actually while being in the Super Bowl. Like all good uh, in terms of just him being, um, you know, the way that he plays like a kind of heat-seeking missile on the field. Sure. Apparently that's how he is like in real life as well. <laughs> uh, and uh, he. Uh, yeah, he is an intense figure. By he's not faking. He's not faking. Yeah. Yes. He is a very intense dude. I love uh, it. But yeah, and then those would be the three guys I think are relevant. I mean, Carter kind All of right. fell off a cliff um, in terms of his production in the second half. Of the yeah. What did you make of that? Uh, I mean, he's playing half the snaps, and yeah. he was dealing with. He had a back for a while. He right. missed the game with an injury. Okay. He'll is it fine. is it reading too much? Is it projecting? that some of the knocks on him in the draft process were his conditioning and that he eventually ran out of gas before the other rookies? Uh, I mean, yeah, potentially. It's not ideal if you can only play half the snaps, obviously. I yeah. think if you were drafting these defensive guys again, I think Anderson goes first. Okay. Like Anderson is better than his sack numbers. Anderson's pressures, when you look at what his pressures should have produced in terms of sacks, it was a lot bigger. Um, and so I think his pass rush win rate was like third in the NFL behind Garrett and Parsons. It was, it was, a, it was good, yeah. And he was the right guy. Uh, but to squeak it out and to uh, to win with 16 first place votes is, uh, is pretty incredible. Um, I still can't believe TJ Watt was so close to beating Miles Garrett. That's insane. <laughs> it was very, very close call. I can't believe TJ Watt almost out. ruined our night. <laughs> that was a very close call. 23 first to 19. <laughs> I, I would have set the first place gap oh, there at... Um, it would have been karmic Seven because I had an ongoing bit about the Steelers all year, and uh, if uh, if they had ultimately cost me in that, I would uh, I would have deserved it, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> that uh, that Steelers team was really tough to handicap, man. I'll tell you. Yeah, that was bizarre. Uh, CJ Stroud wins comfortably, uh, naturally, forty eight firsts. Yeah. Two, two votes two, for uh, Puka. Two votes for Puka. Uh, perhaps two votes from the LA market. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, it is interesting to think what would have happened if Stroud didn't play well in that last game. Didn't uh, Pete Prisco say he was doing Puka because he broke the record? I think Prisco and one other person. I think um, I think Chris Sims said he was leaning Puka going okay. into the last week. Okay, and then yeah, it just quickly flipped to Stroud. Stroud yeah. to have that game on national television. Yeah, to show up in that spot. Basically, the ro- offensive rookie of the year ballots. There were forty-eight almost identical ballots. <laughs> they were. There yes. was that was unanimous. One, two, three. Uh, the defensive rookie of the year is funny because Joey Porter Jr. got one first place vote. Devin Witherspoon got four first place votes. Yaya Diaby got a first place vote for yeah. defensive rookie of the year. Did not see that coming. Uh, not a lot of respect for Brian Branch. Only six third place votes. He was awesome. Uh, who in the world put Jack Campbell as their number two? Jack Campbell was bad. He was bad number year. two, he got a second place vote. That's the thing is, like with these awards, like there's defensive rookie of the year is probably the most obscure of all the awards. Surely, and yes, surely. Like how like, I'm not sure every voter is like paying a ton of attention to Kalijah Kansi on a week to week. Yeah, do you think somebody you? just sorted like tackles? And uh, rookie year, and just like, oh, Campbell's near the top, I'll vote for him because, yeah. like, because that that is a really absurd one. I think, uh, 
to me, Kobe Turner's really interesting just as a case. I didn't really know what to do with his case towards the end of the season because sure. it's, I think, a big part of these awards in a way is a candidate having the chance to have their case dissected. Yeah. And this was the thing with uh, bloody Emmanuel Quickly, the sixth man of the year, is that he became. He got so ingrained in the combo early enough that people started to pick apart his case and focus on the starts. Yep. I think with Kobe Turner, he came into it so late that we didn't like we didn't have a discussion about oh he plays next to Aaron Donald. Yeah. Like he's he's not actually that like he's good. He's yeah. definitely good, but he's yeah. not he's not the same level of player as Jalen Carter. And well, Anderson. he had three sacks against who? The Giants. I don't remember what game it was, oh. but he had a late he had a late three sacker. Yeah. And uh, yes. that was where he kind of cleaned up. Yeah, he cleaned. It was a uh, one game with three sacks late in the season that put him in the discussion because that was enough to get noticed. Tyree Kill's not announcing Coach of the Year, is he? I don't like that. <laughs> uh, I think we're one award. This away. has got to be a fan voted fan fan moment of the year or something like that. Okay, that would I, I don't know what this. is. I didn't actually see. I'm oh, flag football's rising star of the year. Oh no, Tyreek was the flag football player of the year. I thought. Uh, there's some we're we're in the absurd territory award awards. We're about here. I think we got two minutes uh, away from Coach of the Year, which is a relatively big life moment in these parts. Okay. Um, we'll see good, how it goes. Good news is what? Bad news is what? Well, good news is D'Amico Ryan's. Bad news is uh, any other name that comes out of this mountain <laughs> Okay. Only be Kevin Stefanski. Okay. This market closed pick the day of uh, the final game, and so my handicap going into. The final, yeah, the final week was that D'Amico, if he beat the Colts, he was effectively pick yep. to win. And then if that also came with the division, then he becomes a kind of material fave. Um, but that was a really strange market because after Stefanski beat the Jets and even after D'Amico beat the Titans later that weekend, uh, I thought that market was, I thought it was effectively done. I thought Stefanski was, you know, minimum 90% to okay. win that market. And I thought D'Amico was the threat, but... Uh, then what happened is that a lot of voters came out and said, no, I'm leaning D'Amico. It's like, he's not even in the playoffs right now. What are you talking about? How can you be leaning D'Amico Ryans over Kevin Stefanski? But I think that created the idea that, um, no, he actually, he could be a Brian Dayball type of situation where uh, just a swell of momentum gets behind him. I think that's the main takeaway from this award is that with Coach of the Year is that, you know, you can win it late, it's a very subjective award, and you can build momentum in this award, like basically no no other market, because it is so subjective. Yeah, and I think uh, there was a question earlier about like the degree that recency bias plays into all of these markets, and I don't think that's an especially novel concept. Like how you're finishing the season matters an enormous amount, um, but it became easy to select Ryan's, in my opinion, because he fit a classical mold. Yep. He was like, you are the overachiever. Yep. And if there is a clear overachiever, that's kind of a comfortable place for a lot of voters to default because it, it's a little bit fluid. How do you define coach of the year? Yep. No, absolutely. And here's the thing with Ryan's, as we say, 60 minutes, 60 seconds before he loses to Kevin Stefanski. But <laughs> the thing with Ryan's is that if you just laid out before the season, uh, Kevin Stefanski is going to go 11 and 6. He's going to start four quarterbacks and have a ton of injuries. Uh or D'Amico Ryans is going to be a 10-win division winner. Yeah. Like, it was, it was not even close. Like, D'Amico's off the board at that point. Yes. Um, but the way it unfolded and sequencing and the market reacting, like, the thing is, is that when you're a minus 1,000 
favourite um, with a week to go in the season. Like yeah. you just kind of people just go, oh, it's over, it's done. Uh, and in this case, yeah. it wasn't. We have an upset, by the way, not in Coach of the Year, but in Fan of the Year. It went to this Green Bay Packer fan named Justin Hartley, not the not the Charger lady. Oh, wow, that is a shocker. Oh, no, no, no. That's a shocker. Justin Hartley's the actor. That's Justin Hartley the actor. Oh, it says NFL Fan of the Year. Yeah, I saw. Oh, Justin Hartley is the actor. The he's, Fan yeah. of the Year is the guy next to him. Yeah, he's okay. just a I don't know. Dude. I don't know my actor. How do we read into <laughs> Green Bay? So, <laughs> according to our rundown, anyway. So, sure. the Fan of the Year is going to announce the uh, the Coach of the Year. Yeah, and that's uh, the Packers, right? Yeah, which is fine <laughs> because uh, Matt Lafleur is not a candidate, so nothing to read into that. <laughs> okay. Okay. I hate these elongated kind of. Introductions. I'm to just Canada. shocked that the we're Charger done, gal was not the fan of the year. We're just done she did more for uh, the Chargers fandom in LA than anyone has done since uh, uh, since they fired Staley, I guess. No. Yeah. Kenny Miller says Stefanski was playing fifth and sixth alignment. I take your point, Kenny. I would have voted Stefanski <laughs> over Ryan's, but uh, yeah. I can only bet what uh, we um, we uh, we polled the uh, the active users in our Discord yeah. uh, just to get a sense of who they would vote for, like just their opinion. Yeah. And uh, Stefanski won uh, over Ryan's. So, like, I think there is a football-minded, like, really appreciation for what he did. Yeah. Uh, and uh, that's the fate. Fate's <laughs> <laughs> frozen. With the... That was a bad time. Stefanski. Oh my god! He actually got home. Oh my god! <laughs> One additional first place vote. You are oh, kidding me? Oh no! Guacamole! Unbelievable! Oh my god! It's Stefanski. <laughs> By one part, you've got to be kidding me. Oh, <laughs> That's ridiculous. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> I cannot believe that. Stefanski. Boy, oh, boy. Wow. He actually got home. Wow. By one vote. Oh, my God. <sighs> Jay, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's tough. All right. Well, I'll live with Stefanski, but uh, we just cannot now have Joe Flacco. Uh, come back player of the year. Oh my God, Stefanski did it. Yeah, by one vote. Schwartz got the uh, assistant of the year, and Stefanski got the coach of the year. Unreal. Wow. No bueno. Wow. <laughs> wow. 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 Oh my God. That's a wild I'm one, man. Stunned by that. Uh, d this was. It was a. It was a uh, tie. It was a virtual tie. It was a tie. It was 165 to 165. You got him with the tiebreaker. I can't believe that. <laughs> Holy cow. That is absolutely insane. Holy cow. It was it was by one third place vote. One third place vote. Made well it was tied. And by that's unbelievable. Wow. You know what is almost the most shocking part about this? And uh he's off ballot. He's off Ryan's is off a lot of ballot. Well, he's off seven ballots. That's a that's a lot. Stefanski was off five. For a shocking for a shocking division winner, and a, a win improvement <laughs> to the tune of like eight wins. How in the oh, world? Oh my god, I can't believe that. Were so, they a two win team last year or a three win team? Two, were, right? They two were. Three. They won the last three. game of the season, but was yeah. that their third win? I think it was three wins. Oh, yeah. So what was that? It's a it's a still a seven win improvement. That's yeah. wild. I guess it speaks to like a guy that's gets entrenched wild. going into the last week, but. I'm shocked that, uh, yeah, I would have said that, you know, D'Amico was like 95 to 97%. Whew. But uh, Whew. unbelievable. Wow. I know. Coach of the year. Oh, man. You got the bad got coach the bad of the year juju. Coach of the year juju. Whew. 
man. So for it to be tied is insane. This was... I didn't even know there was a tiebreak of more first place votes. I had no idea either. <laughs> so I didn't gotta, we are learning live that there are tiebreakers. You got a dead, dead, dead hate rule? This is, this is crazy, man. Unreal. Did you think they made up the tiebreaker after they had the tie? Uh, I don't know. Because <laughs> I, I definitely know. don't recall it. I'm in shock. I don't recall this. Because uh, back in the day, of course, very famously, Steve McNair and Peyton Manning had equal number of uh, MVP votes, and they gave them co-MVPs. So there is precedent to award co-awards. So they made a decision, even though they each had 165 overall points, yeah. that they were going to break the tie. Yeah. Uh, well, unbelievable. I guess that's, uh, if you're going to have a tie break, I guess that makes sense as one. But yeah. And he was on more ballots. But uh, wow. Yeah, I can't believe that. Uh, wow. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah. Um, hey, man. Uh, I just am excited to find out why Kevin Stefanski happens to be flying home to uh, New York <laughs> instead of going back to Cleveland uh, to torch you further yeah. uh, in a repeat of last year. Yeah. Uh, that's a. That's a. That's a wild one, man. Is, what would uh, you put the market at before this show? Uh, I would have said Stefanski was like 20 to 1. 20 to 1. Based on the votes that were out there. Yeah. And also the fact that Ryan's won the BFWA Coach of the Year. Um, it's all the polling. Um, yeah. Just looking now at the ballots. Do you th this, to me, looks like a lot of people might have made their votes before the last week of the season. Yeah. Ryan's I think that's, that that's probably the factor. Because, like, um, the idea that... Yeah, the idea that there's as many Campbells, Shanahan's, and Harbaugh's on here yeah. uh, is kind of interesting. Harbaugh getting 10 third-place votes is kind of insane. Yep. Like, people still want to down-ballot acknowledge the one-seeds, yeah. which hurts uh, Ryan's in, in a bad way. Only two third-place votes is really surprising. How is Sean McDermott getting a third-place vote? <laughs> Todd Bowles? I guess Todd Bowles is more vaguely defensible. Mike McDaniel? That's ridiculous. It's also ridiculous that Steichen only gets four third place votes and nothing else. We can't we can't make the joke that Tomlin's never gotten a vote before either. No. He got one second and one and two third places. Good for Tomlin. Oh, um, wow, 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 man. This is a real shocker. We knew there was gonna be something. Unbelievable. How about there? Three uh, first places for Kyle Shanahan. I yeah, would not have guessed that. I think it was uh yeah, Shanahan's a reasonable candidate to choose. I mean, I agree. I like it. Like, yeah. I like that that there are, is a segment of the voting block that is literally like, this is the best coach. Yeah. No. <laughs> As opposed no, to, no. like, he exceeded my expectations the most, and that's why I'm giving him this award. Yeah. No, um, I think that Shannon, I thought with a few weeks ago that he was, I thought going into the Baltimore game, he was a real chance. You know what's even more absurd? This is number two for Stefanski. I know. It's like, yeah, he's going to take it. <laughs> number two. This is his second coach of the year. Yeah. yeah ridiculous. Uh, and also, like, if they underachieve with Deshaun Watson next year, he could very well be fired. That's <laughs> 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 like, yeah, not crazy. Yeah. No, right? 100%. Yeah. And, like, his best decision, effectively, his best decision as a head coach this year was hiring a defensive coordinator. Yep. Yep. It's, uh, I'm surprised <laughs> that. I'm surprised Schwartz both got assistant coach of the year yeah. and Stefanski gets coach of the year and then Garrett gets DPO. The team won three awards. Um, was the, um, was the, uh, was the, G like, 
what happened with the where was the where did the Cleveland groundswell come from that they needed all of this I think enough enough people just made up their minds about Stefanski going to the last week do you think it was that Thursday night game against the Jets where people were all like way dialed into what the Browns were doing and the fact that they were so dominant in that New York market game uh, I mean I think that was kind of the crowning moment for him but I think yeah it kind of speaks to the I think back to Offensive Player of the Year a year ago. We had a dead heat on closing odds. Dead heat on closing odds. <laughs> dead heat on final votes. Dead heat vote. on final votes count. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, this is a shocker, man. Yeah. Ready for a new and exciting career challenge? At DHL Supply Chain, you're part of a team committed to creating innovative solutions for some of the biggest brands in the world. We're recognized as a best place to work, where people are valued, supported, and respected. DHL Supply Chain is hiring for a wide range of salaried operational and functional roles. Previous experience in logistics is welcome, but not required. All opportunities, no boundaries. DHL Supply Chain. Apply today at joindhl.com. What kind of fun is waiting for you at King's Island? The holy cow, we're way too high and here comes the drop kind of fun. The make a splash all summer kind of fun. The I can't believe I ate that whole funnel cake. Let's get another kind of fun. But most importantly at King's Island, you'll find for the fun of it kind of fun. Don't wait to start your fun this season. King's Island is now open weekends. You know what, though? You can get him next year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, get him next year. <laughs> get him next oh, year. Right. Well, who's, who, who, what's your big liability for NBA coach of the year? Just out of curiosity. <laughs> yeah. An entire <laughs> Okay. What's the loss the Pelicans lost? Not a six and a half point favorite. Sorry about Tyler. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, we got 10, 10 minutes until the next award, which is Whew. Offensive Player of the Year. Uh, CMC heavy is, favorite? I think this is dumb. I think it's over. CMC closed minus 303. Yeah, but that was before yeah. Tyreek lost uh, yeah. Sunday Night Football. So I yeah. think this is 99.9%. Uh, but, uh, yeah. I think Tyreek had a chance to steal it in the final uh, week if he'd gone off against Buffalo, but he obviously didn't do that. So um, I, uh, I think this is very much, very much wrapped up. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, what do you think of, uh, uh, I guess, what do you think of the fact that Tyreek Hill looked like he was, in general, unable to handle a 17-game season health-wise, and that this is now becoming a little bit of a pattern? Like, does that take him out of serious consideration for you next year? No, it doesn't take him out of consideration. I think he's probably more of a health risk than other kind of elite receivers. I know that Jefferson dealt with the hamstring and stuff, but just given his size and the damage he's taken and the fact that there seems to be something wrong with his ankles every yeah. year, and also the fact that like he just has, I think, a bigger workload on him in Miami than he did in Kansas City. Um, so between all that, I think that, yeah, he's more likely to get injured than C.D. Lamb and Justin Jefferson. And, sure. Maybe Jamar Chase, though Chase gets hurt as well. Yeah. But ultimately, I think he still has the highest ceiling. Okay. Receiver. I think he should. I think he should probably. Uh, if Jefferson we, uh, probably opens his favorite and Tyreek's second. That sounds right. If we reframe this award and define it differently for the voters, yeah. does it change? 
and the reframing would be like the most irreplaceable offensive player because I feel like Christian McCaffrey, although outstanding this year, I don't know that I have a huge difference of opinion about the Niners getting the one seed, even yeah. if he was not on the seed for a large part of the season. Maybe yeah. I'm crazy. I, I'm not sure like McCaffrey would be on my ballot. Honestly, <laughs> like, I'm not, like I guess, yeah. I guess he would be, but I definitely have Tyreek first. Uh, I'd give serious thought to CD Lamb, yeah, being second. Uh, I know there's a stench on the Cowboys, but it's a regular season award. Yeah. Are you okay with the Offensive Player of the Year being becoming like effectively a skill position only? Yeah, I think that's what it should be. I think they yeah. should just they should rename the award the thing. <laughs> yeah. And I yeah. guess you can't do that, but yeah, it is a little bit silly. It kind of introduces an interesting element if say next season that uh, you know Lamar Jackson breaks the all-time yardage record or whatever and it's a weak crop of skill position players, then my sense is it probably defaults um, to to a quarterback at that point. Like Mahomes won it relatively recently, but I think there is kind of the acceptance now that it is um, it is an award that just goes to the best receiver or running back. I thought Kelsey actually had a chance at one point last year when he was having, you know, arguably the greatest tight end season of all time, but yep. it's going to go receiver or running back. Um, yeah. Wow. Unreal. Wow, wow, wow. Unbelievable. <laughs> I don't know if this is... Uh... I don't know if this is health. This is good for our mental health to be doing this to you, Jay. <laughs> this is well, we'll this isn't right. We'll see about my mental health. Uh, yeah. I'll have to come back player. Video. I skated on my close call, and you got uh, you got tiebreaker. <laughs> this is crazy. Woo. What do you think the comeback player of the year vote is? Uh, Forty-eight to two. <laughs> it's not going to be that. It'll no, be it's not going to be that lopsided. Uh, realistically, um, I'm going to set the over under on first place votes for Hamlin at uh, thirty and a half. Okay, so, uh, I think I'll take the under on that. But okay. I think he will, he will. I think he will win. I think it's going to be actually tighter than people expect with Mayfield. Okay. Um, if Flacco wins, you'll never see me again. <laughs> Daniel will never see me. Again. Uh, then I'm walking to Mamafuku alone, uh, and I'll die. I'm dying alone without uh, without the rest of our parties. Uh, I'll buy you dinner, man. <laughs> oh, no. oh no! Oh my goodness. They got a lot of stars to come out for this, by the way. This is like an A-list uh, type of deal with some of these announced. You know, uh, except I don't know who Josh Hartley is, apparently. <laughs> Justin Hartley. Justin yeah. Hartley. Josh Hartley's um, <laughs> uh, the vaguely reminiscent uh, player to uh, the New York Knicks. Is, there, is he like in Marvel movies or something? Why have I never heard of Justin No, I had to Google him as well because I went through the same process. <laughs> okay. We didn't look at the run. Okay. I was like, is, is the NFL fan of the year Justin Hartley? <laughs> no, he's in some like CBS drama or something. Oh, yes. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. I'm not quite at that age demographic. <laughs> yeah. I'm getting close, but I'm not quite there. Five Days in Vegas is going to try to get me pretty close to yeah. the CBS age demographic, but I'm not quite there yet. Who's this? This is Justin Jefferson? Uh, yes. And uh, the uh, the gal from HBO and uh, all the movie star now, yep. including American Fiction, uh, whose name is escaping me. Announcing Offensive Player of the Year. Oh, um, man. Justin Harley, uh, Fox Crane, and the NBC daytime okay. soap opera Passion. Oh, we love we oh. love Justin Harley. Oh. One he's of us. Justin Harley guy. One of us. He's in he's in the Peacock family. Um, but yeah, the uh, uh, the 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 confusion over him being the NFL fan of the year and the Packer year. I think I think it's fair. Yeah. I think it's fair. Uh, can Hamlin get you above water, Jay? I I mean, he was a big win.
overall, uh, but this just wasn't D'Amico level uh, yeah. type of win. So, yeah. look, it's going to be, yeah. yeah, Stefanski was a, yeah. I think Stefanski is probably my best result across any of the award markets, but it's just not, not D'Amico. <laughs> D'Amico would have been. Uh, would have been big. Would have been. Uh, would have been the, the mother load. Um, the mother load. About uh, to announce offensive player of the year, which will surely be Christian McCaffrey. Okay. Interesting that they brought out last year's winner to announce this year's winner. Well, yeah, I guess it makes sense. Christian yes, McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey. That's the lip I appreciate. I appreciate uh, the, the clear, the, yes, lip the clear enunciation no. so that we can yes. tell. Yes, yes. Big Sam said, "No, no, Tyreek. Mm -hmm. I hate to say Tyreek not winning the it's, award. It's just an honor to be nominated. No. Yeah, it's just an uh, honor to be nominated. The funniest thing about Radio Row is just yes. yeah. like for anyone who doesn't know, Radio Row is just like convention center. This year, it's in Mandalay Bay in Vegas, uh, where it's just like a ton of stalls and mini studios set up." Sure. And the weirdest thing about it is just like I was trying to get a water out of the fridge, the NBC <laughs> fridge, and there's a guy blocking my way, and I seem to get out of the way, and it's Justin Jeffs. So it's kind of weird. It's Excuse like, me, Jay Jettas. <laughs> yes. uh, I need to get uh, water out yeah. of the fridge behind you. We uh, um, we saw Miles Garrett walk yeah. past this. Yeah. You have Miles Garrett. Yes. He is oh my goodness! One of the largest human beings I've ever seen in my life. Yes. Um, yeah. It's like his butt is just another like quad muscle. Yes, yes. It's unbelievable. Yes, uh, it's it's impossible. Yeah, he defies physics yeah. without question. It makes uh, I need uh, I need them to play off McCaffrey. Let's get the, let's get him off his legs here. Yeah. Uh, get off your off your feet, McCaffrey. Play him off. We don't need to hear any more any more of this speech. Let's get him get him rested. In fact, you know what? He's uh, he's not going to win MVP. He should just head home now. Get an early night's sleep, um, and uh, yeah, be ready to go on Sunday. Yeah. Um, yeah. My mum just told me to uh, to not worry about D'Amico Ryan's and that I still have three beautiful children. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, I do have. She three knows. She knows exactly children. what to say <laughs> at exactly the right time. <laughs> it's great. It's what, what. Think about what matters most, not about uh, what might have been if it might if it would have been D'Amico. D'Amico. Um, yeah. All right. Well, the. Stefanski is a, a real downer, but at the same time, still uh, a win for me overall. Yes. Comeback player is the one that that'll actually really <laughs> sink my mood. Um, if, if Joe Flacco wins comeback player. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And I, I think Hamlin is a slight, it's so hard because it's all built up in other stuff, but Hamlin, I think, is a slightly better result, but I will live with Baker Mayfield um, and be happy with Baker Mayfield. Okay. If Flacco wins, I'll see you later. Um, <laughs> all right. Let's talk about the voting breakdown for Offensive Player of the Year uh, with, don't, without looking at it. Sure. Uh, over under guess? on first place votes for McCaffrey. Uh, I would have said first place votes for McCaffrey, uh, 36 and a half. Ooh, it's over. 39. Okay. First place. This is, uh, that's a pretty healthy uh, percentage. Yeah. Uh, number two first place vote getter was, of course, Tyreek Hill. Yep. Uh, also getting first place votes, you want to, you want to guess? City Lamb? Yes, he got one. Yes. And that's it? Nope. Lamar Jackson. Three for yeah. Lamar Jackson. Yes. Um, they do need to just rewrite the rules of the sword. Yeah. I think we've I think we I think we're there. We're we're long past there. Honestly. I, I think with this award, I don't think there's any real takeaways outside of all the value to be had in this award was in the first month of the season where I think it became pretty clear in the first month that 
just there were three guys in this market. Yeah, this is the way I bet this award is that I loaded up on McCaffrey, Hill, and Jefferson. Yeah, so I thought they had just bigger ceilings than anyone else, and that the idea that like yeah, you could maybe like you know. Uh, Jamar Chase or whoever at that time Stefan Diggs was a you know yeah. a top five favorite in the market they could maybe beat one of those three but the idea of beating all three of them just given their ceilings just, yeah. just improbable didn't Chase close favorite or was I that think was Chase he, was the favorite going into the season even but like though uh, Burrow was hurt uh, I don't remember how that I went I think Chase out. was yeah. like a 12 to 1 favorite at the start of the year yeah. um, but OPOIs so basically you're saying OPOIs not one where you really want to go against the chart in general yeah, I mean, the one thing is that I thought that A.J. Brown really got in the mix because he went on that surgery just right. putting up, you know, 125 and a touchdown Ooh, constantly. Such a stink on the Eagles. He did not even get one third place vote. Yeah, I mean, they fell apart. He was not great towards the end of the year. So You know what's fun, though? You know who did get a vote? Brock Purdy. He got a, him. He got a second place vote. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the, and the, the true shocker of them all, Travis Etienne yes. got a third place vote, yes. which I think is uh, – is a tough sell for me. Yes. Um, but uh, ultimately, I think the top three are correct. Uh, and uh, yeah, Christian McCaffrey was on every single ballot. Yep. I guess that that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, I think ultimately, like I think this was Tyree Kill's award, and he just got hurt. Yeah. I think if he stays healthy, then he wins. He was kind. Of, he was. He was getting in the range where he was like minus one sixty, and I thought that he was effectively a bet on health and maybe some variance, and he should have been minus three fifty, and then he yeah. got hurt. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think he was – I think he is less of an injury risk than McCaffrey, just given McCaffrey's history and just the running back position. But, you know, he got uh, – he'll got hurt, and that's – that's, that's how it goes. That's just how it, how it goes. That was the same thing last year because uh, Jefferson really tailed off last year towards the end as the Vikings lost some games and he didn't have great – he had one terrible game against the Packers, but Tyreek uh, was just playing hurt at the end of the year and couldn't get him either. Yeah. So i got to say, I don't feel really bad – don't feel bad for Tyreek Hill not winning these awards. We agree. Um, from, uh, <laughs> we, we're there. Yeah, from, we're on the same page. Uh, from a, we got from about uh, we got about twenty minutes to vamp. Yeah. yeah, I don't really need to reflect on guys who are going to go to the Hall of Fame. Although I think these are all fine choices. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, Julius Peppers. I think that's a great choice. Julius Pepper. Do we think? Of, what do you think of uh, naming a returner like Devin Hester in the Hall of Fame? Does that does that uh, rub you the wrong way, or you think it's worth acknowledging the best of all time at a specific skill set? He has to be. In. Yeah, he's the greatest ever. Yeah. I think it's particularly yeah. um, close. All right, yeah, uh, we agree. So, as you mentioned, we've got uh, 18 minutes until uh, Jay Crouch's reckoning uh, arrives in the comeback player of the year market. So, if, if anyone has any questions, please yes, shoot them through. I got uh, two. I got two important ones for you. Mm. Can you price for me the top of the DPOY market in 2024? Yep, so your favorite will be Micah Parsons. Four to one? Yeah, that type of range. Okay. Uh, your second favorite will be Miles Garrett. Your five, third, six. Yeah, five, five to one. Uh, your third favorite will be TJ Watt. Yep. Fourth favorite, Nick Bosa. And fifth favorite, Max Crosby. Uh, fifth favorite, maybe Aiden Hutchinson. Okay. Hutchinson, uh, Crosby fifth and Hutchinson sixth, I think. Okay. The thing okay. with Hutchinson that's weird is that, and I'm not sure how many, how much people pay attention to this, but uh, like an outlier majority of Hutchinson sacks come after like the quarterback has held the ball for like three and a half seconds or more. Sure. Like he is a motor guy. Yes. Like he is not beating guys like immediately like the way that Parsons and Garrett do. Yes. I think Parsons and Garrett are kind of in their own tier for okay. that ability. Okay. I think what 
uh, Crosby and Bosa are in the kind of next year. Maybe Hutchinson's not that yeah. I think this award goes through Parsons and Garrett. So let's talk about Parsons' candidacy for a minute. Yeah. Uh, it felt like this season, and really the last couple seasons, Dan Quinn was pretty impactful yep. in uh, kind of turning him into the talent, you know, to be in the discussion. Yep. Um, does the fact that this is now the Mike Zimmer show change your opinion of what the Dallas defense can be next year? Uh, I think the main thing for them is just getting Trayvon Diggs healthy. Okay. Right? And if Diggs is healthy, then it's a bit of a different ball game. And I think they were on track to be... You know, not an all-time defense, but certainly a top two defense in the league before Diggs went down. And I think a lot of these teams, and we're probably at the Niners are not another really example of this, where a lot of teams like they just don't get quick pressure. Okay. They don't generate quick pressure, then everything just looks worse on the back end. Okay. Uh, and it just seemed like if Lawrence and Parsons weren't getting home, then Dallas were in big trouble, and that kind of manifested in almost comical extent. Yeah. Um, in the wild card round against Green Bay. Yeah, they probably go what free agency to fortify the linebacker position, and then draft corners. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, I mean it was Van Der Esch, like it's um, Yeah, I think they can probably upgrade at linebacker. Yeah, and then I mean if you've got Gilmore Bland for all like the you know kind of. Spinning on Deron Blantley, he's still a good cornerback, and he's, yeah, he's going to be like a number three corner. Then he's probably the best number three corner in the NFL. Uh, and if Gilmore's a two slash three, that's fine. This is Diggs coming in. Diggs was playing like the best corner in the league. Yeah. Um, and if he is at that level, then it's probably a pretty awesome defense. Okay. So how do you price the top of the offensive player of the year market for next year? I know you kind of touched on it a little bit. You start with uh, Jefferson and Hill as co-favorites. Yeah. And I think this market is actually. Probably the easiest to price before the season because like, this is a fantasy award. It's a fantasy football award. Sure. And fantasy football is now, um, I mean, it, it's a very efficient market. There are a lot of people who are paid to talk about it, including myself. Sure. Um, and there was just so much fantasy Noted football. fantasy expert. Yes, Jay Crusher, Crusher, yes, yes. yes. Big, big fantasy guy. <laughs> yes. Um, and like, there is just a lot of info and a lot of thought that makes fantasy a fairly liquid market yeah like you don't have just like random guys going fourth in the draft like when they shouldn't like there's a reason a guy will go fourth overall and so i think for the most part outside of a little skewing for you know guys are overvalued uh if they're running backs you get a lot of receptions like austin eckler's not going offensive player of the year yep Um, but it's going to be the guys who are top of the list in um in fantasy who are your offensive player of the year favorites so that's justin jefferson tyreek hill Christian McCaffrey, I think those are probably a top three again. Okay, I'm not sure. Like Jamar Chase is amazing. Is Jamar Chase as good as Justin Jefferson and Tyreek Hill? I probably think not. he is. Yeah, no. I think he's probably next. And then, and then your tier of CD, uh, AJ Brown, uh, and Chase. And then the interesting thing is the running backs after McCaffrey because it's definitely yeah. a drop. Like, who's RB two? In fantasy, it might be Kyron Williams. Okay. It might be RB two. Okay. Um, Jonathan Taylor, though I think Jonathan Taylor is going to get touchdowns vultured away from him at the goal line by Anthony Richardson. Okay, Jameer Gibbs. I mean, he's got upside, but I think that okay. the way they're structured, it'll probably be still some David Montgomery or a David Montgomery type um, of operator. Okay. So, okay, um, we're probably yeah. forgetting someone. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, yeah. Bijan Robinson is a flyer. Yeah, he'll be in the mix there for sure. Um, yeah, I think that. Uh, well, Chubb coming back. I was going to say. Um, Brees Hall is another guy. Brees Hall, oh yeah, yeah he, he could be very well up there. Yeah. Uh, okay. The 
comeback player of the year market for next year is actually maybe the most interesting one of all because it's like uh, Aaron Rodgers, Kirk Cousins, uh, Nick Chubb coming back. Like there's yep. just going to be a ton of candidates. I suspect with all the quarterbacks, it's probably going to be a yes. quarterback. But I mean, Nick Chubb has an awesome story. Yes. And I think if people have a choice, they'll want to vote Nick Chubb over Aaron Rodgers. I would agree. Uh, what do you think of uh, what do you think of this shtick from Kyle Brandt, who of course is from real world Chicago fame? Yeah. <laughs> you remember real world Chicago? Yeah. Right? yeah. Yes. We're, uh, well, we're watching on mute with closed <laughs> captions, which is absolutely. Don't know. I do not know what's happening. Yeah, um, it's kind of terrifying watching this with. They're trying to get the energy up. Uh, is this like the play of is the, the year? Angry run type of thing. Oh, that angry run? run of the year. Is this FedEx Ground Player of the Year? I'm very confused here. J- I didn't know Connor was up for an award. Uh, that's surprising to me. Uh, so, I had uh, a couple of years ago uh, in uh, my most uh, d- depressing result, and D'Amico doesn't even hold a candle to this, but Jonathan Taylor, as I've talked about, <laughs> nauseam, going down uh, from 70 to 1 for Offensive Player of the Year. After he lost that, I had a friend text me, well, well, at least he won FedEx Ground Player of the Year. I'm like, I don't have a bet on that. <laughs> There's no market bet on for that. that. There's no market for I that. I don't care about Jonathan Taylor being better ground player. I'm of not the a fan year. of I don't think he cares about it. No. Um, <laughs> no, better ground player of the year. So what is this? Best fendoffs? Best angry runs? I, I am really confused. Uh, don't know exactly why they're holding us in suspense here. Yeah. Um, but that's fine. Uh, this is according to we haven't seen Michael Vick and Charlie P. Henson come out yet. Oh, they're doing comeback. Sorry, sorry to spoil that for you. We're gonna see Vic and Tragic Pants. Michael Vic, come, I guess he won the award. Yeah, that was a weird one. The Michael yeah, Vic won comeback player of the year. Yes, I guess he atoned in the community and everything, right? He was I a big. So. He did a lot of work in the community. Yes, I guess that was. Uh, it was. Uh, it was a two-sided. Yeah. It was a two-sided acknowledgement. Yes, you've improved yourself as a human, and he was amazing. And he was an amazing player. Yeah, yes. yeah. that yes. makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I don't think Deshaun Watson will win next year. No, I also agree with that. <laughs> he doesn't seem to be as inclined to to uh, improve himself yeah. as a player. I agree with that. Interesting awards. A little macabre, but whatever. Um, a little. <laughs> do you think that? Uh, do you think if Deshaun Watson has by far the best MVP case next season, that he would win MVP? I don't think so. I think he would. You do? Yeah. Well, I don't think he will because I think he might be the twenty eighth best quarterback. Well, I mean, that's <laughs> the problem. But I mean, if he's honestly just like, like, I don't even know, like. People weren't taking me seriously on this, but I almost feel like I would have a better price on the on the Browns if Flacco was QB one out of the gate for them next year as opposed to Watson. Uh, I don't think Watson was, was good. Watson showed didn't really show you anything. I think a lot of the Flacco thing was like it was kind of evident when he was playing from behind a bit that they really didn't want to get him into must-throw scripts where he's a yeah. sitting duck. Like, he still can't move. Yeah. I understand right. he had that weird touchdown to Jerome Ford, but, like, the man can't move. Yeah. Um, That's true. That's so, true. Mobility is a problem. A full season I, is not going to be great with him. Deshaun still has the I ceiling. guess it's it's that's more of a – it's just more of a commentary on how low I am on Watson right now. Like, uh, he had one splash game week three. Against the Titans. Yeah, he lit up the Titans. There, and then he had the good half – Against the Ravens? Well, that is like literally the last time we saw Sean Watson. He went 14 to 14 in the second half with a yeah. fractured shoulder and a high ankle sprain against the best defensive football in okay. their home stadium. Okay. I think there's something there. Okay. I mean, it's not okay. like he was. One and a half games out of a 17 game season where he impressed? Yeah. I mean, it wasn't great. <laughs> 
I thought just athletically he looked better though okay. until he fractured his shoulder. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they were weird. Yes. Uh, so is uh, is the Ryan's uh, coach of the year? Is that uh, is that your worst bad beat of the season? No, because I had a lot of Stefanski. It's just you like you can't you can't well, at least I find it, that you can't get as upset when it's like, well, I won a good amount, I just didn't win more. Yeah. Did the one that will really hurt, and I won't fake it, is if uh, if Flacco <laughs> come back later, because that takes a massive win to a massive loss. So I'm gonna have yes. a cent on Joe Flacco okay. uh, comeback player. How about uh, just in game by game betting? Do you have any especially memorable uh, painful, losses? Painful beats. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I was heavily on Alabama to beat Michigan, <laughs> oh, and so- from when they were they were ten up late and. Too far, I was also on Alabama to beat Georgia, and I feel like he got a little bit lucky at the end there with sure. fumbling. But yeah, but Alabama, the fact that to me, what was and what Michigan was probably the better team, they probably deserved to win. It was the fact that the guy muffed the punt, punt and somehow it wasn't a safety. Yeah, he recovered it in in uh, right. Yeah, in, I can't in, believe in the field of play. I can't believe Crazy. one that he recovered it at the one, and then two got rocked and it didn't fall out. The yeah. uh, like, I cannot believe he held onto that ball. Yes, it's absolutely stunning to me. Yes, that was like his life depended on it, yeah. and he managed to hold on to it. Yeah. yeah. Now the the worst beats for me this season were all in college football. Yeah, uh, by far. Yeah. Uh, the Duke Duke uh, beating Wake Forest was. Absolute misery. Yep. Uh, the uh, famous Toastery Bowl, where ODU blew a uh, 28-point yep. lead. That was my worst beat of the season uh, from uh, how in the world did this happen. Yep. Um, NFL, I think my worst loss or my least favorite loss was the uh, backdoor by the uh, Cardinals against the Ravens. Um, that was yes. one, like one, of, seven. one of two off- on- onside kicks that was recovered yep. all season. Yep. Got the Cardinals in the back door with the yep. late field goal. Yep. Um, that was absolutely uh, painful and un- unnecessary. Yep. Like, just didn't need that in my life. Yep. Um, the, uh, I don't think I had any, like, truly bad beats. Uh, I feel for the people who had laid two and a half with the Texans yep. against the Bucks. Yes. And the Bucks, the Texans kicker got hurt. And so rather than oh, attempt... Oh, I had that. I had that. Yeah, no, I had some of that. That was a pretty bad one. I was that, on that. That was bad. Yeah, that yeah, was quite bad. Yeah. A two-point win, kneeling out the uh, extra yeah, point yeah. attempt. No, I had Texans two and a half there. That was bad. That was brutal. That was quite um, bad. The, given that we're... Sorry, apparently the broadcast is a bit behind schedule. Comeback play was supposed to be 7.30. Might be a few minutes behind that. Given that um, we're doing story time. My worst beat of all time. I told you about this for the first time uh, a couple nights ago is... I had a massive position on this Bolivian soccer game a few years ago. <laughs> That's it was right. Nacional Potosi against – the team's called The Strongest. The strongest. It's, it's, it's yeah. in – the team name is in English yeah. for some reason. And I feel like this is on you for fading The Strongest. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> I can't remember which team was why. I think I was on Potosi or whatever. Okay. Anyway, I got word, and it's not like this was an inside source or anything. It was available on uh, Bolivian soccer Twitter, if you're hunting that down. <laughs> there was basically word that The Strongest were going to – that their adult team was going to basically um, refuse to play in the game uh, and they were going to go on strike. And so they were going to get replaced by the youth team. It was like a bunch of 16-year-olds. Of course. And so the market didn't respond to this, uh, even though the information was out there. I was able to get a fair bit down on Nacional Potosi, given that I had 28-year-old professional men going up against 16-year-old boys. It's usually um, a good situation. And so I'm basically getting, <laughs> I was getting like plus 120 on this when it's surely like minus 10,000 at yes. that point. Uh, the problem is is that, so my team, Nacional Potosi, they're about to head out 
Um, but then their players start to go on strike as well in solidarity <laughs> with the veteran players on the strongest. They didn't want to yeah. cross the picket line. Yeah. And then the, the youth, so it's going to be the youth players, but then the Potosi players are like blocking the youth players from taking the field. Oh, the Bolivian no. police arrive at the game. <laughs> and I'm trying to follow all of this on Twitter with uh, my mediocre kind of six out of 10 Spanish. Spanish yeah. Yeah. Of kind of mixing my own kind of understanding <laughs> with some Google Translate as yes. well to compliment. And so anyway, what ends up happening is. Uh, they, the, the police go away. It's youth team versus youth team. It's so all of a sudden I've just got this like plus one twenty position on these sixteen year old Bolivian kids going sure. up against another group of sixteen year old Bolivian kids. You still had a chance. Yeah, and it's plus one. I feel like at that point it's just a coin flip, right? Sure. And yeah, and so I've got a plus one twenty on a coin flip, uh, and Potosi go down four three, uh, <laughs> and uh, it's absolutely ridiculous. I don't think that'll ever be taught. Oh, no. Now that's not like my biggest monetary loss, but oh, just for, like the God. ridiculousness of the situation. Oh God. Um, I also had a huge position on Japan in the mixed judo in one Olympics, and that you know it was minus five hundred favorites, and they got trucked. Oh um, man, that was another bad one. Um, but no, I'll always remember Nacional Potosi. Um, yeah, Japanese mixed judo. Uh, <laughs> Japanese mixed yeah. judo. I have a bad beat comment from Logan Evans. My worst beat this season was Eagles in a teaser versus the Jets, but all they had to do was oh. run the ball and I think that, that Logan's hit point. I feel that that uh, game was brutal. The, I think Jalen Hurts, the interception he threw, I can't remember who it was I think the pass was intended to got it, but that pass was the, the worst pass of the season because all you need to do is throw the ball incomplete and you almost certainly yeah. win the game. Because at that point, Zach yes. Wilson needs to drive. The, like, Zach yeah. Wilson is having a bad game. Yeah, I, it was Zach Wilson-esque. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. he's he was wanting to do that, the yeah. intercepted throwaways. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that was, uh, that was a bad one. Uh, the worst game of the season by far. Um, and just in terms of entertainment value, was probably Jets Giants. Yeah, uh, I still don't know how uh, we had a game where Tommy DeVito had negative passing yards accrued over the course of the game. Yeah, um, and uh, uh, somehow the Jets won in overtime, I believe. Yeah, thirteen won in overtime. Yeah, a stunning thing here. I wasn't able to get um, set on him because it moved pretty quickly, but that was an example of how like outlier situations can break live markets. So the Giants, they get the ball, they win the toss and they take the ball in overtime yep. as you do. So Tommy DeVito is not throwing the ball. They don't have a quarterback, basically. Correct. Their offense is Saquon runs up the gut and then screen passes to Saquon. Yes. Uh, and so the idea that they were going to move the ball down the field. So basically, anyway, the Giants Except in this game. Taking, taking the ball was the loss. Yes. Yeah, so what, they take the ball and they're minus 120 on the money line to win. Like there's no, they were like plus five hundred to win the game at that point. Yeah. Like they, they have no shit. Like they don't, don't get any yards. Like right. it's an elite defense. Uh, and then sure enough, the Jets ultimately win. That was ridiculous as well. If you got like Giants money line in that situation, because they take go for the field goal when they just go for a yard to win the game. They miss the field goal. I think it goes on the upright. Um, and then Wilson it was pass interference. Pass interference. Alan Lazard. It might have been, two, might have been two pass interference. I'm pretty sure Lazard. I'm pretty sure time expired. <laughs> yeah, sure just lost the game. Yeah, <laughs> just like, ah, oh, we'll let you kick right. Yeah. This is this is uh, this is this is not for you're not playing for anything anyway. Yeah. so we'll let you we'll let you have it. We'll right. we'll allow it. Are you struggling to lower your bad LDL cholesterol? Even though you may be taking a statin, swapping steaks for salads, and exercising while listening to this podcast, ask your doctor if Repatha Evolacumab is right for you. With Repatha, you can dramatically reduce bad cholesterol and the risk of another heart attack while enjoying life, too. Because you're human. And with convenient self-administration, you can take Repatha in the comfort of your own home. Do not take Repatha if you're allergic to it. 
Repathic can cause serious allergic reactions. Signs include trouble breathing or swallowing, or swelling of the face. Most common side effects include runny nose, sore throat, common cold symptoms, flu or flu-like symptoms, back pain, high blood sugar and redness, pain, or bruising at the injection site. Visit Rapatha.com or call 1-844-RAPATHA. Talk to your doctor today about Rapatha. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. We are, uh, looks like we're a couple minutes away. We have an NBA trade deadline question. Oh, is it uh, how in the world were the Nets priced total in the 220s after they uh, traded their only offensive creator? Is yeah. that the question? <laughs> that, uh, my, my Brooklyn Nets aren't so good. The Nets, uh, the Nets total should be in the teens. And if you see them in the 220s, I would get involved the under. Uh, what is right. the question? For now, oh, yeah. any material takeaways from a trade deadline or impact yeah. on futures markets? Also, what do you think of this Kawhi MVP team? Right, you want to start? Uh, I have... Kawhi MVP from preseason that I forgot about because <laughs> I thought it was that dead. Yep. I don't. I'm not going to believe in the MVP team until he's a favorite. Okay. Um, I think the uh, ultimately there's just the Clippers are are very very good. Yeah, they are. They would. I would. I. I. I full transparency. Yeah, went to Circa, cashed out of contests, put some futures into play. Yep. One of them was Clippers to win the title. Yep. I think they have a very realistic chance to beat the Nuggets in the West, although the yeah. top four in the West yeah. all seem to get a little bit more well-defined and better at the trade deadline, I think. Yeah. Um, obviously, like the Clippers and the Nuggets didn't do anything meaningful, yeah. but the fact that I, the, I thought I thought both the Thunder and the Wolves made nice moves, yeah. and I think you now have a very clearly stratified top four in the West. Yes. And uh, of those, I like the matchups for the Clippers against all of those other teams, and so I think the Clippers can win the West, and I think they are a realistic threat to beat the Celtics. Yep. Uh, no Celtics way. were the biggest winners of trade deadline because yep. uh, you know the the Bucks didn't turn themselves into a contender. Yep. No, I think that's all reasonable. I think in terms of Kawhi MVP, I think he can win, and I think that his market. Pro- I, I have him right now, um, forty to one fair, but forty to one. Yeah. I think the issue with Kawhi is that. Like he's averaging like 24, 6, and 3.5. And like the counting stats are just such a deficit compared to Jokic, SGA. I know Giannis is kind of, you know, falling a little bit now with his team, but his stats are still vastly better than Kawhi. And I think he has a, even still a clearer path to an MVP. So, I mean, and also Kawhi's advanced stats don't even really stack up to these guys. So I think ultimately Kawhi, uh, there's a chance like if he's the one seed by margin and people are like, well, he doesn't have the counting stats because he's uh, one of the best defensive players in the league and he guards the best opposing player. It's just pretty hard for me to see him beat both Jokic and SGA as well as like Giannis and then Luka. I do think he is... I'd still have Luka as the fourth favorite, but I, Kawhi, I do think there was a path. Okay. I didn't really think there was a path a couple of weeks ago, but I okay. think there is. All right, yeah, we're holding uh, uh, just uh, just north of 50 to 1 from October. Yeah. And uh, I was re- kind of had written that off as a donation. <laughs> no, I, was, I, was, think he's, I did not think that alive. was real. Okay, okay, so the uh, the other kind of futures thoughts on the NBA coming out of this, uh, we were I was a little glib about the Eastern Conference, yep. but like the fact that 
the Bucks have not solved point of attack defense makes them a non-factor in my mind. Yep. Um, and that's not to say they can't make it to the Eastern Conference Finals still. Yep. They should probably still be your number two expect- expected seed, but that's yep. a fatal flaw. Yep. Uh, the deeper you go into a, a series, if you're up against a team that has the ability to create, uh, you're in trouble. Yep. You're going to have to outscore them. Here, yep. You don't have any other path to victory. Um, and so I think the Bucks are very fragile right now, very you know, very possible that somebody could shock them, uh, and very unlikely to go on the road and beat the Celtics if that's your Eastern Conference Finals. Yep. Yep. No, I, I agree with all that. I think that still think the Bucks are the second favorite in the East just because they have the ceiling. Sure. Like the Knicks don't really have that great of a ceiling, I yeah. think, as a team. I mean, they may have arguably the second highest floor in the conference after the Celtics. I mean, okay. you could argue the Cavs as well. I think the Cavs are actually more likely to to win the East than the Celtics just because I think the Cavs are a lot more likely to get the two seed because the Celtics have uh, the, the Knicks have all these injuries at the moment uh, and if the Cavs have home court that's a big deal uh, I also think the Cavs probably have more talent still with Mobley back and the way yeah. Allen is playing and Mitchell Mitchell's playing quite well Mitchell now. quietly like everyone's talking about Kawhi and like, I don't think Donovan Mitchell's winning uh, MVP yeah but like Donovan Mitchell has, I think, just as good of a case as what I think Donovan Mitchell has a better case than Jalen Brunson, who I think is basically zero percent yeah. to win the award. Um, but uh, do you have a uh, a fair price that uh, Joel Embiid is fit and available for the playoffs on day one? Yeah, I think the Sixers. Um, so I bet a little Sixers to win the East um, at the twenty-five to thirty to one range, just because. One, I thought they might do a little bit more at the deadline. Honestly, I placed yeah. this before. The deal, I mean, the fact that they added Heald helps. Uh, the fact that it looks like they're probably going to sign Kyle Lowry, or at least they seem the, the leader in the clubhouse to do that, helps. And all of a sudden, if like Embiid, like he got the type of meniscus surgery that's four to six weeks typically, uh, and it's not ideal that he's going to come into the uh, come into the playoffs without being you know necessarily fully ramped up. But there is a chance that, you know, they're like they have a starting lineup of Melton, Maxi, uh, Heald, Harris, Embiid with guys like Ubre and Batum uh, and uh, Covington, some yeah. Covington, Reed off the bench, Kyle Lowry off yeah. the bench. Like it's a pretty solid team. And I think that they, on talent, they, they may have the second highest ceiling in the East okay. after the Celtics. They're obviously. less fatally flawed. Yeah. I think the issue now is that I think they're very possibly going to fall into the plan uh, is the problem. Yeah. Um, all right. I rate them more. pretty low right now. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, yeah. they're not. Uh, well, they have upside and variance. You want to take long shots in a market like that? Yeah. Um, I think they they would be my bet at the moment. Um, okay. Cavs win eight straight. Just keep on Cavs completely were, destroying The Cavs teams. were uh, like relatively significantly fatigued tonight yeah. and they made absolute easy work of the Nets. Yep. Like that was a non-compete. Yep. <laughs> that that was an impressive performance by the Cavs. Yeah, yeah. I think basically really that in, I, really realistically, you have one very clear favorite in the East and the Celtics because they're built like a super team. Yep. Uh, and then you have a tier where there is relatively little separation between uh, the Bucks, a fully healthy uh, Sixers squad, the yep. Cavs, and then I would put the Knicks fit. Yep. All right. Here we go. Comeback player of the year. All right. I can't. <laughs> oh, it's gonna be an elongated operation. I mean, this is what we're all here for, man. They brought Hamlin onto the stage. That would be the meanest thing that you could possibly do. Trot this guy out here. 
Let him present an award. Show him in this context, and then give it to uh, give it to someone else. I swear to God, if they don't give it to the dead bloke, or, <laughs> or at least Mayfield. Matthew Stafford need you to steal some votes from uh, from Joseph. I mean, what Stafford? I guess here's uh, this is a weird award, and we can save some diatribe for once we know it's over. I don't want to vamp too much. You know, hold my hands. Hold in. my hands. Got this, man. Come on, come on, Michael Vick. Oh my god! Oh my god! They gave it to Flacco. Oh, oh, oh my god! They gave it to Flacco. You've got to be kidding me! You've got to be kidding me! Over Hamlin. <laughs> oh my god! That's ridiculous. They that can't be real. What was the count here? What? Won by 11 votes over Hamlin. Got 26 second place votes. <laughs> that is insane. Mayfield didn't sniff it. Oh my God. What a ridiculous outcome. He's not wearing a tie. <laughs> oh man, that's insane. Wow, I'm speechless. He only got 13 first place votes, but eight people left Demar Hamlin off their ballot. That's a big number. Oh my god! Wow, 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 wow! Demar Hamlin with 21 first place votes in the uh, pre uh, in the pre ranked choice voting world. This is a uh, clean win for Mr. Hamlin. <laughs> I cannot believe that that has actually happened. Oh, my wow. God. Very, very, very wrong about this market. Um, I guess my vote is that we abolish comeback play of the year. <laughs> we're not going to give it to the guy that came back from dying playing the game, but I'm not sure why we're giving it to anyone. My God. Um, what a ridiculous <laughs> This is chaotic, chaotic. Damala Hamlin loses comeback player of the year. Coming back from the dead. Uh, off ballot eight yes. times to Joe Flacco, who started five games. Joe Flacco was on 47 out of 50 ballots with five games played. Uh, wow, I cannot believe that. That wow, I get the Stefanski over Ryan thing, that is just complete insanity. For Flacco to be only off three ballots, my god, my god. Oh, <sighs> Yes, that's uh, in contention. That's that is wow. as bad as it gets. Wow. Um, I'm speechless. Unbelievable. This is a. This is a. Uh, <laughs> this, this, is a uh, this is a real. Uh, this is this one's gonna. This one's gonna be memorable. Roy rides a bike. Says, "What did Joe Flacco even come back from?" Well, Flacco said that he shouldn't have been up for the award, yes. um, that they should have given it to Hamlin. Yeah. Oh my God, that is madness. You had uh, four first place votes for Tua. Those would have been nice in the Hamlin category. <laughs> um, wow, man. Oh my God. Wow. Unbelievable. Um, I guess. I guess here's the here's the key question. There was a very loud discourse in the closing month 
arguing against him. Against Hamlin? Him. Do you think that swayed any of these voters to leaving him off out? Yeah, definitely. I think some people just didn't trade him as a super candidate for the award, which is just completely insane, frankly. Um, but yeah, I thought that I thought that if it was going to be uh, that if Hamlin was going to go down, that Mayfield was a much cleaner case. But I like I am absolutely stunned that Flacco was only left off of three ballots. Like that is insane to me. The fact that he won. Uh, the fact that he played five games, like how does he not get off more than three ballots total? It's ridiculous. I would have set the over-under there at like ten and a half. And to only be left off with three ballots. Um, the other absurd thing is that like Flacco, the only like exceptional part of his comeback was QB wins. Like he was still not an especially compelling like it was it was impressive because of he got up, came off the couch, and he was able to conduct himself. Yes, but he was what the 16th best quarterback over that sample. He wasn't good. He's the other. Yeah, thing. That's, he that's what I'm getting yeah, at. Like, like it's it's he threw it, eight picks in five games. Yeah, if, like he, he, if he was putting in like you know top five QB quality play yeah. over that sample, then maybe I would feel differently. Yeah, but. Um, Let's break this down. Who did he even beat? He beat the the, the lousy Jets. He beat the uh, he beat the Texans with Case Keenum. He beat uh, the Texas with yes. He beat some backup quarterbacks. He beat the Is Bears. that really all, how it went down? Yeah, I, it's that's it's sort of like outside of the uh, significant monetary loss. It's also just kind of depressing that people would not factor the, these things in. The one like one the Hamlin story just didn't resonate at all. Um, and two, that people would vote Flacco over Baker Mayfield, who played the whole season and who was better at football than Joe Flacco. Yeah. And actually had a comeback arc as opposed to just getting off the couch for five games, which is Flacco's words himself. Um, yeah, I can't believe that. Man, this one, uh, this one, this one's tough. That's, uh, I'm sorry, Jay. <laughs> uh, Joe Flacco. Browns win four, four and one. Awards. Four and one QB record. Uh, yeah, I mean, like this still begs my kind of question of how many people voted after week seventeen. Yeah, that's, you know, uh, yeah, like four and one as the starting quarterback. Yeah, thirteen uh, touchdowns and eight picks. His EPA per play was good enough for about 13th over this span. Yeah. What was it? This was a uh, week, uh, let's check it. Week 13 on. Wow, man. That's uh, uh, that, that, that is a, that is a travesty. Uh, the, the stream has become too grim now. Uh, I think we should wrap this up. Uh, <laughs> Two years in a row. Yeah. That's, uh, this yeah, is, this has turned into a uh, snuff film. Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> this is yeah. bad. Maybe, uh, maybe next year we uh, um, break the curse, or maybe we extend it into another season. Uh, oh, but uh, I, I am stunned by Flacco. Uh, he left off three ballots, and Demar, eight people didn't think Demar Hamlin coming back from the dead was good enough for a third place vote, uh, which is unreal. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, thank you everyone for tuning in. Uh, I'm sorry it got kind of dark and horror movie-esque uh, towards the end, but uh, appreciate everyone who tuned in, who listened to us talk about these awards uh, all season long. Uh, it has been certainly interesting breaking them down. Uh, and 
hopefully people trailed us on Lamar and Garrett uh, and Anderson. Hopefully did not trail us on comeback player uh, of the year. Um, but uh, that's how it breaks sometimes. These yes. are voted on by human beings. Uh, and, uh, yeah, sometimes it's unpredictable. From when Flacco returned as the starter week 13 to the end of the season, 26th in EPA per play among quarterbacks. Yep, he was not, he was not very good. <laughs> uh, but he's the comeback player of the year. Wow. Okay, everyone, we will be back. Uh, if I am still among the living, we'll be back uh, on Monday post-Super Bowl. So good luck, everyone. Uh, we'll be back on the Super Bowl, and, uh, and we'll see you next week. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today.